The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Thursday, October 13th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning on this Thursday. Thanks for joining us live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety after the fact on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope you guys are all having a great week. We're heading into the weekend. We're two days away from UFC Vegas 62, which is headlined by... A big one in the women's flyweight division between Alexa Grasso and Viviani Araujo. We have the Bantamweight debut in the UFC of one Cub Swanson taking on Jonathan Martinez, the man I like to deem the silence behind the violence. We have a big one at 125 between Askar Askarov and Brandon Royval. Not... A horrible card. It's fine. There's some good fights on this one. Some interesting fighters, some interesting storylines. There's going to be some chaos in some of these matchups. But I think the big thing about Saturday's event is, sure, we're going to get some fights. We're going to get a main event with some stakes. But really what it's all about is that this card is going to set the table. It's going to get us even more fired up or the event that's happening nine days from now, UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. That's the one everybody has circled. Everything else is bonus at this point. And I expect a lot of promotional material for UFC 280, a lot of good stuff promoting that card. And it's a great card. It's a tremendous card. And a lot of the fighters, a lot of the big names that are on this card are already in Abu Dhabi. 
Apparently, Alexander Volkanovsky is the backup fighter for the main event. So there's a lot to talk about here. No doubt about that. Quick programming note, BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's going down. Jed Mishu, still not ready to end his retirement. I don't know if he'll ever be ready to end his retirement, but we were hoping this is an MMA retirement. We were hoping this is maybe a Kevin Holland-esque retirement, but that is not at the moment. So my man, the POP, the Prince of Positivity, my best friend, Alexander Kaylee, is going to step in on relatively short notice. And his opponent today will not be a fellow media member. It will not be a fellow MMA journalist. It will be a fighter. It'll be somebody who will have his eyes on some of the big fights at UFC 280 because he is hoping to get to that level sooner rather than later. He's going to take on a man who is mentioned on onto the next one all the time. He's going to take on Grant Dawson. So it's AK versus Grant Dawson going down at 1 p.m. Eastern. So that should be fun. So we'll open up the lines to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let's just get into this thing. Double A was first in line. So we will begin the festivities with him on this Thursday. What's up, Double A? Good, how are you? Nice. Um, I've got I've got a couple for you. Um, one, I've, I know you like your odds, so just um, just your thoughts on Wonder Boy and Holland being split um, with the initial odds coming out, and um, Gustafson and OSP. Is it is it um, they both retire regardless of result here? Because I don't see them really having like a big future in the UFC anymore. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Yeah, OSP versus Alexander Gustafson going down. I believe that's in December. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know how to to view that one right now. I would assume it's probably like a loser leaves town at at worst at this point. But I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm not the kind of guy that that's going to go on a show and speak into a live microphone and, and feel like guys should walk away and call it a career. That is not my decision to make. It is not any of our decisions to make. We can have opinions on certain things, but all I'll say is this. If this is the final fight for both dudes, it wouldn't break my heart. I just don't know how much Gus has left in the tank at this point. And We've, we've seen him at, have his highs. We've seen him have his lows. First fight with John Jones is one of the best fights of all time. Second fight with John Jones, not so much. And then it just kind of has been going downhill in a bad way ever since. And OSP finds himself competitive in some of these fights. And OSP, his, his career has just been very strange. He's been a part of some weird fights. So to me... I think it's probably like a loser leaves town situation. But if it's the final fight for both guys, I won't be completely crushed by this at all. You mentioned the betting lines uh, for Kevin Holland, Stephen Thompson. I'm looking at two different lines right now. One site has it completely even minus 108 on both sides. And another site has Stephen Thompson, the minus 125 favorite in the comeback on Kevin Holland at plus 105. So 
this is going to be a real interesting line to watch heading into December 3rd. It really is. I'm curious to see how it ends up. I feel like Holland will end up being the favorite, but looking at it now, if, if wonder boy like straight opens as the favorite and is the favorite for a little while, it, it wouldn't stun me. I just feel like wonder boy has been in title fights. He's been, he's got the experience. He's been fighting a 170 his whole career. Kevin Holland's been kind of back and forth. Kevin was talking about quote unquote retiring and all of this. So who knows what his head is like, but the fight's going to be great. And I, I see a lot of people kind of poo pooing it. I don't I don't really understand why I think it's a, I think it's a fun one. It's a fun one. And we're, we're kind of on the last hurrah of, of wonder boy here. Cause even though he's had a couple of lopsided losses, he's still a guy that's, that's in the mix. He's still sort of in the mix. Everybody likes this guy. Everybody likes Wonder Boy. So if he could beat a Kevin Holland and then get another win or two, he's he's right back up there. We've seen we see this a lot at 155 and 170. And the UFC loves a story like like a guy like Wonder Boy who's been very positive towards the promotion. He doesn't give him any issues really. Everybody seems to love the guy. What a story that would be is around a 40-year-old man fighting for the title. I think the UFC would definitely try to paint that narrative. And if Kevin Holland beats Wonderboy, it's a huge win for him. He's a top 10 guy. So, yeah, I like the fight a lot. And we'll talk more about that later on on BTL as well. Let's go to Kirkland. Hello, Kirkland. Hello. How's it going, Mike? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. Um I was reading one of my favorite websites, arguably the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. And I came upon a great article that I was wondering if you could touch on. I was just wondering, what's eating Cub Swanson? Um, Saw how stoic he was at the press conference, not answering any of his own questions. And I was just wondering if you guys could elaborate on that. Thanks, man. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. I wish I knew. Nobody seems to have an answer. I don't know if it's a weight cut thing. He's Apparently, he's trying to save his voice because he was doing other interviews. So I'll be curious to see what those other, other interviews look like, if they come out on video, if he's actually answering the questions himself. But it worked. People were talking about Cub. That's for sure. So it was an interesting tactic. I didn't hate it. And... He's become a big story tomorrow at the weigh-ins because of this. And we'll see how this fight with Jonathan Martinez goes. It's an interesting matchup. Martinez is a pretty pretty sizable favorite, minus 205. But let's see if the old dog has has something left in him. I, I like the fight. It's I think it's a little more competitive than the betting odds suggest. I, I think plus 175 and Cub Swanson is kind of a tasty line. Mostly because Jonathan gets cracked, man. He gets cracked in his fights. Now, I understand Cubs getting up there in age. I understand he's had some tough fights along the way. I understand Jonathan Martinez is a young, hungry whippersnapper. He's trying to make a name for himself. I understand that his striking is great. His leg kick game is incredible. That's what happens when you train with the Chris Gutierrez of the world on a daily basis. But he's proven to be kind of chinny in these fights. So can Cub land the big shot? And Cub has that 
that finishing ability where he, if he smells blood, he attacks. So it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting fight. A lot of people just feel like Jonathan's going to roll over him. I don't feel like that's the case. I feel like, like if I'm picking straight up, like when we do our MMA fighting staff picks, I'm probably going to pick Jonathan Martinez to win. But if I'm looking at this from a betting perspective, I'm taking a, sh- I, I would look, I would think very hard about taking a dog shot on Cub because the proof is in the pudding. Jonathan's a little bit chinny, leaves his chin open for counters. And a lot of these fighters have taken advantage of that. So Cub's got that power coming down from 145. I like the fight. I think it's really good matchmaking. And I'm excited to see how it all plays out. In the co-main event on Saturday of UFC Vegas 62. And hopefully Cub's weight cut is good to go. Michelle, what's Hello. up, man? I just wanted to get your opinion on next week's fight between Makashev and um, Charles Oliveira. I seen an article earlier that Habib said that um, Islam will run over um, Charles. And I disagree with that. I think everyone would disagree with that because we all know how Charles Oliveira can bounce back from adversity, as we've seen in the last couple of fights. And I just think, obviously, he's going to stick with his boy. But I just think... It's very naive of him to kind of downplay Oliveira's skills and it's a fight that everyone's kind of 50-50 on because I keep on changing my mind who I want to win. So I just wanted your opinions of what Habib said about that. Thank you. It's such a great fight. It's I'm looking forward to it so much. It might, like, to me, there's been three fights that have really struck me as super duper intriguing. Now there have been great matchups on paper that I've been very excited about, but there have been three in particular that I'm just super intrigued by because I'm not sure how it's going to play out. One was Glover Teixeira versus John B- versus Yuri Prohashka. And I think I knew like deep down, I, I already played the role. I played the role that Glover is going to take him down and tap him in the first round. And once you make a statement like that, you just got to, you can't just veer away from it because the internet always wins and people remember everything you say. So that fight in particular, like if, if Glover couldn't get him out of there in the first round, if he got him down, but couldn't finish him, does that mean Yeri's just going to run him over? And the fight played out to be way different than everybody could have possibly drew it up in their minds. The other one was Armand Sarukian versus Batush Gamrat. That fight is still one of my favorite fights of the year. And the third one is this one. I have no idea how it's going to go. I have no idea how it's going to go. Now, my the way I'm looking at it from a picks perspective is I'm done doubting Charles Oliveira. I'm done doing it. And until I am proven wrong, I'm going to probably pick him to win. And looking at it from a betting perspective, look at getting him at plus money, especially at plus 155 right now, and I feel like that line is going to go a little more towards Islam as we get closer to next Saturday. I think there's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. But right, it's to me, it's just, it's just so, both guys are just so supremely skilled. Makachev is saying the right things. He's, he's super confident. Habib's obviously super confident in his guy getting the job done. We've seen some videos of Makachev training with Usman and both Usmans, Kamar Usman and Usman and Magomedov. It's, it's a really good fight. Now, the big thing for me is, can Islam hurt Charles Oliveira? Can he hurt him on the feet? Because if he can, then all bets are sort of off. And it's just a matter of how he handles that. Because most guys who hurt Charles 
they approach it in a different way. Charles is able to overcome and get back up. Islam sees holes and he sees ways he can get in there and, and finish the fight if he has Oliver in big trouble. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. And you're, we're, I'm going to see it in a very fun way next Saturday. And I'm still not ready to tell you what that is. Uh, and a little update on that from the reveal. I said we were hoping to get the reveal on Monday. It's probably not going to happen. But from what I, what I understand, this is what my, my sources are telling me. Wednesday's edition of the MMA Hour, all will be revealed. All will be revealed. And I am very excited about this. So stay tuned for that. Let's go to Mike. Then we'll go to Max. We'll go to Levi. Mike. Mike. Heck of a morning. Heck of a morning. Long time no chat. Bro, I got a quick question for you. The UFC Orlando card, that's actually going to be... right in my backyard so i'm actually thinking of going it's going to be my first event is there a specific area or section that is preferred when looking for tickets like along like mm-hmm. like in baseball you know along the whole the the first baseline you want to be with like you know really good angle yeah man i mean it's kind of tough to me, and I've said this before, if, if you can go to a UFC event once, I think it's worth going to, for sure. Obviously, if you want to get as close as possible, I think you feel a little bit more. You could maybe rub elbows with some celebs, but not a lot of us have that kind of money to spend. So, there's really like especially these arenas now, there's not really a bad seat. But what I've noticed about attending UFC events as fans is that you spend you'll still spend a lot of time watching it on the big screen. It's just the energy in the building is something different. It's pretty cool to experience. I think this is a fun card. So I definitely think it's worth going to. You got a good main event. We found out Tai Tuivas is on the card against Sergey Pavlovich. There's some other really fun fights on the card as well. Yeah, I think it's worth buying tickets for and and checking it out, especially if it's your first event. And I think it's going to be a little more affordable than going to a UFC pay-per-view. I don't really think there's a terrible seat. I don't know if I'd sit up in the nosebleeds. I don't know if I'd sit like the very last row, but middle of the pack's fine. And if you can afford to, to sit close, I would probably recommend to do that. The closer, the better. But if you're sitting a little bit higher, you don't have to look through the fence. You can just look above everything. But at the same token, I feel like a lot of us will spend a, a little bit more time watching it on the big screen. But I think it's worth just going and and getting that whole experience and and checking it out. And this is going to be a pretty good one to, to to go to, for sure. Let's go to Max. Hello, Max. Howdy, Mike. Heck of a morning to you. I just want. Oh, oh I'm yeah. doing well. Thank you so much for asking yourself. I'm great, man. I'm great. It's beautiful to hear. Uh, so first, I just want to start with a comment, and then I'll get into a question. So bear with me for a moment. Uh, first off, I just want to come on here and uh, say how excited I am to be on the program. This is by far the best mixed martial arts podcast out there. So I'm so thankful to be here. And moreover, I want to thank the Tokes of the world. I want to thank the Tristan Gordettes of the world, the Average Avenues of the world, all the all the listeners who come on every single week. 
and or even every single time the podcast is on and make the podcast what it is. You guys are awesome, even ahead, you know, AK Lee, all the ones who hop on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is even ahead. I love that. Ahead's <laughs> a legend in his own way. But uh, so my question is getting away from all that. So thank you to all the listeners. But uh, my question uh, for today would be about UFC 280 and digging down into the weeds on UFC 280. I want to ask about Mahmoud Muradov versus Kayo Bohayo. Now, for those of us around here, uh, Mahmoud Muradov used to be a killer. This guy was on a roll until he ran into the legendary Gerald Murchard. And uh, he's facing Kayo Bohayo, who is the fighting nerd, a very smart individual. I see a lot of people steaming Bohayo, but... Uh, Man, Muradov's a dog. You know, you can't bet against our Russians with the Ayevs and the Ovs. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this matchup. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for giving me the time. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. Uh, I appreciate all the kind words. I'm sure the heck of a morning community appreciates the kind words as well. Mahmoud's good, man. But sometimes you just run into you run into a buzzsaw, and that buzzsaw happens to be Gerald Mearshart. And, Gerald, this... Murdoff isn't the first fighter that Gerald Mearshard has done this to, and he certainly won't be the last. I think it was a good learning experience for him. He's been out for a while. This will be his first fight in, what, 14 months, I believe. Uh, he withdrew from both of his other matchups. He was matched up with Misha Serkinov in February. He's matched up with Abis Magomedov in September. And I have to say, that was probably a good thing because Avis is a bad mamma jamma. I think it's a good fight. I, I think this is good matchmaking right now. I'm I'm with you that the betting line seems a little odd. Like, Kyle's a good fighter, but I don't think he's minus 225 good. I, I just, I, I don't think he's minus 225 good. His two contend, the first contender series fight he had with Aaron Jeffrey was, was a nice win. Obviously, beating Jesse Murray the other time, that was kind of set up for him to win. He beat Godzi, and then he beat Armin Petrosian. And this is, this is a good fight for both guys. This is, this is one that has to happen. This is a meritocratic kind of, kind of a fight. I think Kayo's got a little buzz right now. And if he could beat a guy like Muradov, who the hardcore MMA fans are pretty well aware of, it's a very good win for him. And if Muradov could beat Kayo, then that's a good win for him as well because of the buzz that that Kyle's getting, but I'm with you. I think the betting line's a little crazy. I think the betting line's a little crazy. But again, Murdoff's more of a striker, and Kyle's got a very good ground game. So hopefully Murdoff has spent the last 14 months learning how to defend off of his back and get back to his feet because if Kyle gets him to the mat and starts wearing him down, it's going to be a long night for him. And I fully expect Kyle to to do that and, and then some if he gets the opportunity. But maybe Murdoff can, can land a big shot early. I just think minus 225 is a little too juicy for a guy like Kyle Baraglio. But we'll see. I like the matchmaking here. The UFC obviously wants to give Kyle a, a bigger test, and they're certainly doing that on a big card at UFC 280. So could be a, a potential star-making performance for Kyle, but Murdoff is a tough dude. So it's very... One of, the, one of the interesting fights. One of the fights that just aren't going to be talked about very much by the time we get to next Saturday, but it's a good one. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Let's go to Levi. Hello, Levi. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so um, I have a question. First of all, I just w- uh, want to say thank you. Uh, I, lo- I love your show. Uh, second of all, my question is uh, for Max about Max Holloway. Um, after losing to you know Volkanovski three times, where do you think he goes uh, from here? I, that's a that's a question we get quite a bit, and it's a it's pretty loaded because we just don't know. I feel like I don't know. It, it's it all kind of depends on what Volkanovski is going to do because Volkanovski doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to vacate the featherweight title in order to fight for the lightweight title. He feels like he'll be able to defend both belts. Now, if he makes a decision that he's going to vacate. Holloway gets back into the mix a little bit because he's such a big name and he's a big star and he doesn't really need belts attached to him. That's how over he is with the people. But I think for Holloway, I think he's just going to look for fun, competitive matchups at this point. He's such a name outside of the sport right now. He's doing a lot of stuff with the video gaming. He's got the new wife. He's a dad. He's, he's just living life right now. And I know he's a young guy in terms of years, but he's a little older in terms of fighting years, but the guy still has the skill set. There's no doubt about that. We saw it in the cater fight. We saw it in the Yair fight. The dude can still go. I think for him, it's not really about belts. I don't think it's about fighting dudes that are trying to get to the next level. I think it's just fun fights. Like if he wants to go to 55 and fight the Justin Gaethje's of the world or fight Tony Ferguson or guys like that, I think those are the kinds of fights that would get him up in the morning and get him excited. Other than that, I don't know if there's anything at 145 that's going to get him jacked up. Like, I don't know if, like, Arnold Allen would get him fired up if Allen beats Cater end of the month. I don't know if anybody at 145, I don't know if, like, Josh Emmett would excite him at this point. I just think fun fights. Fun fights that get him excited. I think that's kind of what we're looking at right now for Max, but... We haven't really heard from him too much. So not really sure what, what he's thinking. But to me, he's always been 
I want the toughest dudes. I want the fights that are going to make the fans the most happy. And I think after that whitewashing by Volkanovsky, there's just not much more for him to do at 145. He doesn't need the belt. Doesn't need to be fighting for titles. Just get in there and have fun scraps. I've been an advocate of Holloway versus Gaethje for the longest time, and I feel like you could do that fight right now, and no one's going to complain about it. Let's go to Viking. Viking! Hi, Viking. Oh, hi. Uh, first thing first, I just want to tell people who are mocking Oliver with the walking the line video. Mm, and we still have that one video, Habib wrestles with the bear. And the bear didn't, I mean, the bear didn't come from the jungle out of the blue. And Habib just out wrestled him. They both are trained animals and both of them, bear and lion. So that's that. And my question is, which top three bantams would do a great job in the featherweights if they decide to move up? And one more thing, I just started watch UFC in 2020. And I mean, in the COVID, so I just don't know anything about the beef between Ariel Luani and UFC. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, let me see. Who would be... Which Bantamweight would be a good featherweight right now? I mean, Sterling at 145 would actually be pretty interesting. Jan at 45, I think he's a little too small, but I think he's got the like sort of frame to do it. Marab would be interesting at 145. I don't know. Adrian Yanis is a pretty big dude. I got to meet him in person in July, and I was like, damn, you're bigger than I thought. Jonathan Martinez, I think at some point, will be a, a good name for 45. Yeah, there's a few. There's definitely a few guys. There's definitely a few guys. I don't know who up the, up the top could do that. I mean, Marlon Vera's been there before. Brian Kelleher has had success fighting Bantamweights at 145, so... Yeah, it's an, that's a really interesting question, honestly. I think Sean O'Malley will eventually have to make the move up because he's a bigger bantamweight. I think all, a lot of these top guys could could have some success up there. And you mentioned the, the Oliveira walking the lion video. Yeah, some people were not happy about that. Some people were not happy about that. Thought it was sort of uh, abuse of, of the animals and stuff. I, 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 I definitely see both sides of that. I'm not really going to dive into it, but yeah, I, I definitely see both sides of it. So welcome to the fence, Mike. It's not comfortable up here, but sometimes you got to come up here. Four hey, quarter. what's going on, Mike? So I'm looking at the fight card for this Saturday, and I see that we have the illustrious matchup of Jordan Wright versus Dusko Tudorovic. Now, is the winner of this fight going to get the bow nickel sweepstakes? And... Because I I really do believe Bo Nichols in a I'm not gonna say he's in a blank. Um, who, who's this guy? Uh, got the guy, it's off the top of my head. The guy's guy's name. Um, Jamie yeah, there you go. I don't think he's in a blank him, but I don't think Jamie Pickett's gonna land a significant strike. So do you think the winner of this fight is gonna get the Bo Nichols sweepstakes? And lastly, what's it called? Are we gonna? When are we gonna get get news for? 
the December pay-per-view card. You think we're going to get it on the UFC 280 um, fight fight card, or you're going to get it maybe like a little bit beforehand? All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so Todorovic right? I don't think so. It wouldn't kill me if uh, if Bo takes on the winner of that fight if he beats Jamie Pickett, but probably not. I think they'll probably go above both of those guys. That'd be my pick. But if I mean, if that's what they went, if let's just say like Bo wins quickly and these guys can turn around for a pay per view first quarter of the year, then sure, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I think they'll if Bo just goes out there and just runs over. Jamie Pickett, then I think they're going to shoot a little bit higher than than these two guys. No disrespect, but this it's just they're both kind of up and down at this point. So if they if they started out with one of these two guys, that would have been fine with me. But that fight's going to be crazy to Dorovich and, and Jordan Wright. I don't think that gets out of the second round. Might not even get out of the first round. Jordan Wright doesn't get out of the first round very often. As far as two eighty two goes. Here's here's what I can tell you. Here's what I've been sort of told by some people behind the scenes who are kind of privy to all this. I know Ariel talked about it a little bit on the MMA Hour, and I basically am going to repeat what he said because that's what I was told as well. The UFC is trying. They're giving like one last push to try to get Jones on that card, but it's just it's not looking likely. It's not looking likely. So, because I this is I just don't think Ngannou is going to be able to fight. And to, again, it's sort of the risk reward. Do you want to risk doing the Stipe fight? What if John loses? Then you lose the Francis fight. At this point, so I, I just think I think what's going to end up happening is that they'll wait till maybe March, February to do Jones versus Ngannou if they can lock him back up, which I think is possible. I don't know the complete ins and outs of the negotiations, but my gut is telling me that Francis is going to resign. And I think Francis will resign if he can get the John Jones fight right off the bat. And I think first quarter of 2023, that's when we're going to see it. Now, we did find out, we confirmed it, I believe it was yesterday, officially, that Jan Blachowicz is fighting Magomed Ankalaev on December 10th at UFC 282. So the fact to me, that that fight is on that card tells me that we are going to get Glover versus Yuri on that card. We're going to get the rematch. I don't know for sure, but that's what my intuition is telling me because why is this fight on that card? It's a big fight. There's stakes involved. This is the fight to make, but why is it on this card? I feel like it's to be a backup for for Yuri Glover too. But we'll see. Hopefully we'll have, I would say by 280, we'll have an official announcement. But if I had a, if someone gave me 20 bucks and said, put it on what you think the main event for 282 is going to be right now, it's the rematch between Yuri and Glover. That's what I think. I don't think we're going to see John Jones on here unless something crazy happens, but I doubt it. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be surprised. I'd be very, very surprised. All right, let's go to Jordan. Then we'll go to Zeke. And then we'll go to my man, Brett. Jordan, what's up? Mike, what's happening? How you doing, man? Good. I just wanted to touch base with you on the Bellator 135 division versus the UFC 135ers. 
What about just, There's an awful deep division in Bellator with the 135ers. I think they could easily compete in the top 10 in the UFC. Hmm. Easily. I mean, there, listen, there's, there's, let me pull up Bellator's Bantamweight rankings. Let's see. Sergio Pettis is the champion. I think Aljo beats him. Rafion Stotts would be interesting. That'd be an interesting fight. Patchy Mix is huge. Archuleta. Archuleta's good, but I think he loses to a lot of the top guys in the UFC. Maga Madoff, interesting, but I think he loses to a lot of the top guys. Horiguchi is a flyweight. Sabatello, I think, can beat a bunch of dudes, but I don't know if he's beating Aljo or Marab or guys like that. And then he goes fine. He goes good. He could probably beat some top 15 guys. Gallagher would not do well, I don't think. Barzola has been there before. And Brett Johns has also been there before. So, I mean, there'd be some interesting matchups. I just feel like, I think the biggest wild cards, the, the two big wild cards in this conversation to me, from a stylistic perspective, are Rafion Stotts. I think stylistically he would be an interesting matchup for a lot of these guys. And Patchy Mix is just big. My one question about Patchy is, can he make the weight consistently? That's, and that's been a, that's been a problem that he's had, but yeah, I, I did. The UFC's bantamweight division is better. Let's, let's be clear about this. The UFC's bantamweight division is better. Bellator's is good. It's deep. They got good guys, but if they did like a, the top 10, in the champion of Bellator against the top 10 in the champion of the UFC. The UFC is going to win seven or eight of those fights, more than likely. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's divisions Bellator has that you can make a case that they have the best in their division. I think 205, there's a conversation right now for sure. But that's probably it. But, yeah, there's some depth there. But to say that, like I said, if we had like a UFC versus Bellator Bantamweight fight card and we just matched up like the top 11 guys against each other, UFC is going to win eight of those, I think. But I like the question. Let's go to Zeke. Brett, you're on deck. And then we'll go to Crypto. Let's see if we can get Zeke on the first try. So far, not looking great. Zeke, do we have you? No, we don't. Try again, Zeke. We'll get you in. Let's go back to Massachusetts. Brett. Unmute. Yo, Mr. Mike Hack. Good morning. How are you, my friend? What's going on? Hey, nothing. I just want to uh, start off by uh, saying, what the heck is Fazeev thinking calling out Justin Gaethje? This guy, I don't know why this guy, I, I know he's lost to three times pretty much in his career to, to three different, three goats of the 155 division, but you just don't go headhunting for like Justin Gaethje. I think it's a, a bad move and a little humility for the guy is in order by Gaethje. Uh, second of all, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, I, I watched 
actually uh, UFC con- uh, contender series uh, fight uh, from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez, that guy took a, like a mad cut and he just fought back and fought back to a really uh, tough dude. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. And uh, and lastly, I want to talk, um, hear your thoughts on Henry, the boy that I can't stand, but he's just such a draw to me is Henry Cejudo. And uh, just calling out his guys, I, I think he's at that level. He does. He can call his own shots, and and and, and he's like that Shawn Michaels of the uh, of the UFC when it comes to that weight division with the flash and everything. And and just lastly, if you even have time. I'm starting to think that I, I don't mind seeing Cosmo if he can't get things going up with Colby to see him fighting. I think you had mentioned in Brazil to see Paulo Costa. I think that would be a hell of a fight. Mike, have a heck of a morning, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Brad, I love you. I've known you a long time, but there are a couple of things you said there that I could not disagree with more. One of which is the Fazeev thing. Fazeev should be calling out Justin Gaethje. That's, that's the fight. That's the fight that everybody wants to see right now. And I actually think the fight makes a ton of sense. I think it makes a ton of sense. Now, I know there were reports that the UFC was close to finalizing these guys fighting in December. Not true. Not happening. I know from talking to people, it doesn't seem like Gaethje is all that interested in fighting Fazeev right now. Which makes sense because he's just going by the flow of the division. It's like driving... On the mass turnpike. The speed limit might say 65, but if everyone's going 78 to 80, you're just going to go with the flow. You're going to go with the flow of traffic. And that's what Gaethje's doing. He's seeing Chandler and Poirier getting matched up with each other. He's seeing some of these guys, these veteran guys who have fought for titles or have been former interim champions or whatnot, still fighting each other, trying to get a path back to the belt as quick as possible. Gaethje's going to go for those types of fights first. And I don't blame him for it. But I also don't blame Fazeev for calling out Gaethje. And I think that's a very competitive fight. And I think Fazeev could win, could win that fight. I think he could win. Now, Gaethje's going to beat up those legs, but Fazeev has been training with ridiculous leg kickers his entire run. I think he's ready for a fight like that. And that's the one issue I have with this division right now is that we're not getting these kinds of fights. We should be getting them, but we're not. We're looking at a lot of guys in the top 10 that are just, we like to use the word squatting on their rankings. And I don't blame, again, I don't blame most of the fighters for doing that because I don't blame Chandler for waiting for Poirier. I don't blame Poirier for taking this fight with Chandler. I don't blame him at all. But if, like, what are these guys supposed to do? Like, what's Fazeev supposed to do? Who's he supposed to fight? Gamrock got the Benil fight, but what if what if Benil got the title shot? Who's Gamrock gonna fight? All these guys in this division, like I would pick, I would pick Vaziv, Sarukian, and Gamrot to beat a lot of the guys in the top ten right now. A lot of them. But the problem is they're just not getting the chance. And some at some point, these guys are gonna have to fight some of these top dudes. It's just gonna have to happen. So if I'm Fazeev, I am calling out Gaethje all day long. And I think he can win that fight. And even if he loses, it's not the end of the world for him. He can come right back. But I think right now, I think Fazeev has a chance to beat Justin Gaethje. He's just got to weather that early storm. And if he can do that, he can win. So I don't blame him at all for calling him out. 
I don't blame him at all for calling him out. Gregor Rodriguez, I think you're talking about the Chidi and Jaguani fight. Crazy fight. The UFC sees something in him. The dude is an exciting fighter. He's fighting uh, in Brazil, UFC 283, against Brad Tavares. I like the matchmaking. I think that's exactly what needs to be done. Like that booking a lot. Makes sense. If you want to do Shamayev Costa on that card too, I'm with you. The other thing that I disagree with you on is the Henry Cejudo thing. To say that Henry Cejudo gets to call any shots is not true. He calls none. He calls zero shots. Because we have to remember, this guy screwed over the UFC. He screwed them. UFC puts on this pay-per-view. They want to show the sports world. I don't care about your pandemic. I don't care about COVID. We're going to put on fights anyways. And Cejudo gets a big spot on that pay-per-view. Beats Dominic Cruz in a fight that he was heavily favored to win. And what does he do? He screws the UFC afterwards and says, nope, I'm retiring. Pay me more money. And what did the UFC do? Three hours later, they said, okay, he's gone. Piotr Jan's going to fight for the belt. The day didn't even end before the UFC moved on from this. And Cejudo's coming back. He's jumped in the USADA pool. We're wondering who he's going to fight. And all he keeps saying is, I'm going to fight the winner of Aljo versus TJ, and then I'm going to fight Volkanovsky. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are going to have to fight somebody else before you get a title shot. When has Dana White been excited about Henry Cejudo coming back? When have you heard that? Not one time. Not once has Dana been like, woohoo, Henry's back. I'll tell you right now, I think the UFC is more excited that Jimmy Flick is back than Henry Cejudo. But Cejudo's got to fight somebody. He's got to fight somebody. Fight Marab Dewalishwili. Fight Cheeto. That's the one. That's the fight. Go fight Cheeto Vera. You go out and you beat Cheeto Vera. Then you, I'm still not saying you can call the shots, but you at least have something to bring to the table. Hey, I beat this surging guy that keeps beating all these other dudes. Give me my title shot. The UFC just wants to see how serious he is. Go fight somebody. Just go fight anybody. Fight somebody in the top 10. You win, get your title shot. But you ain't getting, you're not just jumping into a title shot. What is going to happen? If Sean O'Malley beats Piotr Jan at UFC 280, the UFC is going to be like, hey, that's a great win, but we got this dude, Henry Cejudo, who screwed us two years ago, sitting on the sidelines. Let's give him the title shot. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to make sure this dude is serious about coming back because it is a risk to put this guy out there. What if he goes back and wins the belt? What if they put him in a title fight and he wins? And he does the same shit. Oh, no. You're still not paying me enough. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines till you pay me. They're not going to take that risk. They're not going to take that risk. They hate when that happens. They hate when guys come in and fight for titles. They have big plans for them, and then they just screw them and put the belt and vacate the title. Well, that's fun for the fans to see how the UFC is going to handle that. They're never going to do a tournament, but if they did, it would be fun. The UFC hates that. They don't want to risk anybody fighting for a title that could just leave them at a whim. And Cejudo has proven 
that he will do that. And the problem with Cejudo is if he just won, if he just won the title against Cruz, fought Jan, and fought like one other guy, and kept winning, he might have had the pull to do that because he was just getting to a spot where we were talking about whether or not this guy was going to be a star or not. Is he a big star? Is he a draw? Can the can Henry Cejudo headline pay-per-views that will do 500,000 plus? And he was just getting there. And then he left. And the UFC didn't miss him at all. The division didn't miss him at all. The flyweight division didn't miss him at all. The flyweight division, while Cejudo deserves a ton of credit, it got way more interesting when he left. Because Davis and Figueredo got to show what he could do. And he started deading guys. Started knocking guys out and finishing them. We got this classic feud with Brandon Moreno that's still going on. The flyweight division has become one of the can't-miss divisions in the company. And it wasn't that way when Cejudo was the champion. It was fun. He brought some eyeballs because of the, the promos and the cringe and all that crap. But it never... The division wasn't in like a tremendous place after that. It's in a much better place now. The Bantamweight division is a much better place now than it was when Cejudo was the champion. So I'm glad he's back, okay? I have said this a million times. I think the way he he botched this retirement so badly. I mean, it was just so bad. It was one of the all-time worst retirements. All-time worst. He screwed it up. He screwed it up from the beginning. And you knew it that same night after he announced his retirement that he screwed it up. Because Dana already moved on. The promotion already moved on. And everybody else has moved on since. So Hudo the fighter and the human being are wonderful people. He's a great fighter. He's a nice guy. I've met him a few times. Even before the like even before this talk about him coming back. I've met Sudo. He's a good, he's a good dude. I talked to him for a little while at the Triller card in Florida with Holyfield and Belfort. I got to talk to him and Captain Eric for a little while. He's a nice dude. And he's a great fighter. You cannot mock, knock the resume at all. He's, he's un- unbelievable. But he's just not as powerful. He's not as big as a draw as he thinks he is. And that's the problem. It's not a problem. It, it's a problem. Connor says he's retired. The UFC's going to be like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Let's give him what he needs. If Francis Ngannou threatens to leave, we're, we're going to do whatever we can to keep him. When Henry Cejudo leaves, they're like, okay, we have a new title. We'll have a new champion by the summertime. So I hope, I hope as a fan, he comes back and fights. And I hope he fights Marlon Vera or, or Marab Wallace willie or somebody like that. And I hope he competes. And honestly, I'm not rooting for anything, but I... If Cejudo wins, it makes things more interesting. But until then, I don't think he's fighting. Until then, I don't think he's fighting. And I don't think he's getting a title fight. Unless it's something that they have something on the books, they're building towards it, and somebody falls out and they need somebody to step in quick, Cejudo's probably the first call they make. But I just don't see a world where he's just walking into a title fight. And I, I hope he fights. I really hope he comes back and fights a contender in this division or at 145. I don't care. And just win that one fight and then go fight for the belts. And then I'm fine. And then I'm fine. But until then, no, I don't believe it. Crypto, what's up? 
Good, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Mike, I thought we had a deal. We do not utter his name until he accepts a fight, Mike. Don't talk about him. He's not back, Mike. This is ridiculous. Come on. Let's not talk about him. Let's not become guilty by association here. I mean, listen, nobody cares. Worst uh, retirement ever. I mean, didn't he actually like announce that he's returning during the press conference after the fight? Like, yeah, I might return if they pay me more. I think it was like an hour or two hours before he announced he was back. We don't talk about it. We don't mention his name, Mike. Don't, just don't give him the attention because it's getting ridiculous. He's just asking, basically, he just wants that attention. He wants us to tell him that he's the greatest and he really deserves this title fight. But no one cares. Like, we have moved on. Accept the fight that you deserve. Prove to us that you can fight. And that's it. So until then, Mike, don't say his name. <laughs> don't say his name. Don't give him the attention. <laughs> Okay, Mike. Anyway, I have two questions for you. So the, the first question, um, KSW75, uh, is there a specific fight or fighter that you're looking forward to seeing? Personally, um, I think that uh, Soldaev is an interesting fighter. Um, I saw his uh, recent or last knockout against, against Hinson. Just seems to be a very interesting fighter. So I just, I don't, I don't know how... I know that you like the KSW, but I don't know if you look at the card and so on. Is, is there a specific, specific fight or fighter that you uh, uh, are feeling uh, that we should watch this weekend and you feel that, yeah, should be given some attention? My second question, Mike, is I saw the article uh, on MMAfighting.com, best website in the world, um, regarding Frank Muir and his daughter that he uh, is thinking about having uh, his retirement fight together with his daughter at the same event where she maybe is the main event. So I just want to ask you, how, how much do you know about Bella Mir? I, I've seen that she has had three fights, maybe not against the best opponents, but still she has won those fights. She's very young. Um, what are your thoughts on her? And, and just, <laughs> just a side story and side note, because you said that the man we do not speak of is a very friendly and nice guy. I have to tell you, if there's one guy that is friendly and nice, that is Frank Muir. Um, I had the opportunity to meet him in Vegas and talk to him for like half an hour, 40 minutes. What a friendly dude. Like, really, he's, he's just really open, funny, uh, makes a lot of jokes, and just was an, my, my best fighter interaction ever, to be honest with you. But he just took the time to sit down and talk and so on. Had some great stories about different fighters and just life in general. So... I wish him and his daughter the best and so on. But I want your thoughts on, on Bella and her potential. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Anne. Uh, so the KSW card, I like Jan Liasi a lot. He's going to be a problem, I think, in, in the years to come. He's eight and one. He's won four in a row. He's a young dude. Guy's going to be good. And this is a this is like a this KSW card has a lot of. Uh, I'm not gonna say contender series vibes to it, but kind of. There's a lot of a lot of prospects, a lot of up and comers. But Liasi's one of those guys that I've had an eye on for a while, and he's fighting Adrian Greylock, who is an undefeated dude himself, hasn't fought in a while. Goes out there and finishes fights. This is his first fight in KSW, but I think Liasi's just a little more experienced. And I, I like 
I like what he brings to the table, and I think he's only going to get better. So if there's one guy that I'm really looking at, it's him. I, I like the Soldeev pick from you as well, but KSW always puts on fun cards. The production value, it's just, it's just spectacular. Jed and I talk about it all the time. There's one event outside of the majors in North America that I wish like the UFC, the, not the UFC, that our company would like send us to go cover just to experience it once. KSW would probably be, would probably be that. As far as the Frank Mir thing goes, I will agree with you. Every interaction I've had with Frank Mir has been a delight. I feel like Frank Mir is, should be utilized more in the space. I think he's a fantastic commentator. Now, I understand that some people have an issue with like some of the political views and beliefs, but I, I don't care about any of that stuff, really, when it comes to sports. Uh, you could feel how you feel, and it, you are who you are, and I'm not going to sit here and try to argue politics or whatever. But Frank's a good dude. He's been very nice to me. He's very insightful. He knows what's going on. I think Bellator is nuts for not bringing this guy back as a commentator. Like, I think he should be the color guy. I know they love John McCarthy, but even if you want to do a three-man booth and just throw Frank in there, I mean, how is Frank Mir going to hurt your product from a commentary perspective? And the answer is he won't in any way, shape, or form. As far as his daughter goes, his daughter is going to be a huge problem. Bella Mir is going to be a huge problem. She will be in the UFC sooner rather than later. I would be stunned if she's not on the Contender Series in the next couple of years. She's also a collegiate wrestler, so she's trying to balance life as a college student, being a wrestler, being an MMA fighter, all of those things. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint timeline on how this is all going to play out, but I mean, just the natural abilities that she has. She's been training for a long time. She's one of the best wrestlers in the country. She's one of the best. I believe she won the national championship for her weight class. She is going to be a huge problem. And you see her confidence grow every time she fights. From the two icon fights, the first one she had, and then she's just going out there and just mauling these women that, these women that she's fighting. And eventually, it, the scary thing about her is she's nowhere near how good she's going to be, and she's nowhere near her athletic prime. And I think it would be pretty cool that it would be pretty cool to see, like, maybe if, like, Mazadal's promotion or I know Mir's with the Freedom Fight Night or whatever, do something like that where Frank fights in a main card and then Bella headlines. I think that'd be awesome. That'd be super cool. And we hope, I hope we get to see that someday. But we'll see. Bella's going to be a big issue. Big problem. Let's go to Henderson. What's up, Henderson? Been, I've been all over the world. I've been traveling. Me and my wife got married, so we went on a honeymoon. So we went to Hawaii. We went to Rome. And all that time, I've been listening to your show, just saving this story up. So uh, I think it's a pretty wild one. But um, I'm excited to get back and call. Congrats, man. Thanks. Congrats. So, so yeah, so we're in Hawaii and we're, we're going ATV in, you know, you know, you can go like ATVing through the nature and whatever. And we, we get to this waterfall and they're like, you can't, you can't go over there. I'm like, why? Like the, the whole thing, it's like called the waterfall tour. They're like, Oh, Zuckerberg bought all the waterfalls on the Island. 
and you can't go there anymore and nobody can go there anymore. And I'm like, is he even here? Like, no, okay, he's in California, but the half the Island is now owned by Zuckerberg. And, and when we went to other islands, I say, Oh, this billionaire owns this island, right? This billionaire owns this island. I'm like, this sucks. Right. So, uh, the people in Hawaii are pissed, but what can you do? It's like, they just buy everything. So, then we go to Rome and I'm, I'm at the Colosseum, right? And they're like saying gladiator fighting is kind of similar to like boxing and MMA, how it was now. And, and sometimes the emperors would just buy out the entire thing and they would just watch it by themselves. Right. And then I'm watching the Dern card and look who it is. It's Zuckerberg. He's, he's bought out the entire thing. You know, it's like, just like Hawaii, he's buying these islands just so that him and his billionaire friends can just do things away from the public. And, and it doesn't like, how soon are we going to get until there's a UFC card that only billionaires can watch, you know, like it already costs like $80 to pay for a pay-per-view. So I, I, it was just really pissing me off. And I was just like, I cannot believe it's Zuckerberg. It's everywhere I go. I can't avoid this guy. I'm around the world and I can't watch a card without Zuckerberg being the only one in the crowd. So uh, I was just so frustrated. Right. But then in my, in my fantasies of a better world, right. Zuckerberg loves to loves MMA. Right. So in, in a world where let's say, the, the tables were flipped and Zuckerberg had to join the UFC and actually fight. Who would you line him up as, as the representative of the people of the world, you know? So my first choice, I was thinking Brandon Moreno, since he's like such a working class, like man of the people kind of guy, but I think he might be a little too nice so I, I think Figueredo. So Figueredo versus Zuckerberg, fantasy matchup. And uh, let's see how good at MMA he really is. So, all right, just wanted to share that story. I know it's a wild one, but uh, just saying I love the show. I've been listening the whole time. Thank you, Hendo. Congrats again on the nuptials and the honeymoon and all that. Sorry that the Zuck man, I'm sorry you got zucked on the honeymoon. Sorry you got zucked. But just to, just to kind of clarify, because I have, I mean, I, I know Ariel talked about it. I talked to a lot of the same people. Zuckerberg didn't just call Dana White and say, hey, I'm going to buy out the Apex. Didn't work that way. This was an, a personal invite from Dana to bring in Mark and the Facebook team. And apparently they announced today that they're doing some sort of deal. Uh, you can watch cards in the metaverse, so to speak. Uh, on UFC Fight Pass in the foreseeable future. So it's probably just something to put a cherry on top of that Sunday. But, I, I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't care. To me, Zuck just – Zuck picked, like, the – just he chose that card. <laughs> he, chose, he chose that card of all the cards. So uh, he had a good time and whatever. Like, I, I know Bisbing and Anthony Smith waited on this where – they feel like Zuckerberg's presence was actually a good thing for the UFC. And at the same token, there is an old cliche that bad press is still press. It's better than no press. And even if people and the fighters are dumping on Zuck, it got a lot of attention to the card. More people writing about the UFC on a fight night card that Saturday than anybody else was. It, it wasn't just MA fighting. It wasn't just... MMA sites, it was everybody was writing about it. So it was a very big deal. It got extra eyeballs on the product. So feel how you feel. 
UFC, it was a business move, and I don't really care at this point anymore. Hopefully, this is not something that happens on the reg. Hopefully, this is something that just happens like one time every couple of years, and it's at the apex. So it doesn't really matter. It's not like you, they rent. He rents out the Amway Arena or or anything like that. So, yeah. But sorry that happened to you. It's kind of sucky. Zuck's just buying up waterfalls, so you can't go check them out on your honeymoon. It's so stupid. That's so stupid. I have more problem with that than the UFC situation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zeke, hello. Please. Can you hear me? Yes, I got you. This is awesome. Finally. Um, Been in here the whole time. We'll be short and sweet. Got two MMA-related things. Then I got a, uh, you know, just kind of a funky question. Uh, First things first, talk about Frankie Edgar. In the garden, booked. Chris Gutierrez, super excited. Super excited. Actually, I can't stop talking about it for some reason. I know it doesn't really have a lot of implications. Uh, on his career, but I'm absolutely excited he gets that Madison Square Garden go out on uh, UFC 282. Um, two, you're talking about Corey Anderson. I think you're 100% right. I think the Bellator, I guess the Bellator versus UFC, the only division I think they would have a shot to take over, at least in the current moment, would be 280, uh, 205. Between Nemkov and Corey, which Corey actually took care of Nemkov besides that insane ruling. I'm sure they're going to run that fight back soon. I think it's actually matched up. I'm not uh, 100%, but yeah, 205 is probably the only division I think could probably cross over and maybe make it interesting, I guess, if they did do a 10-man tournament or whatever you mentioned. And lastly, a lot of traction is getting gained on this Tom Brady, Gronk, Dana White trade. Any comments on... You know, do you think Dana White actually had that lined up? Do you think Tom Brady and Gronk were actually going to come over to the Raiders a little before uh, before that endeavor to Tampa? All right, Mike, have yourself a uh, heck of a week. Thank you for having me. Thanks, man. Um, I don't know. I I think there's some there's certain things where if there's smoke, there's fire, and Patriots fans, for the most part, and I've been this way myself. We like to be in denial about certain things. Like I remember when ESPN wrote that in-depth article the year that they won like their, their last Super Bowl. And it was like all about the problems going on in the office and everything like that. And Patriots fans were like, oh, this is a hit piece. It's bullshit. It's not true. And to me, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I don't know how much truth there is to that whole thing, but I think there's probably something to that. Frankie Edgar, yeah, he's getting his fight at MSG. I just, it's, it's just, it's just there. He's, it, it's just there. You know, he's fighting Chris Gutierrez. This, I would have rather like good for Chris. It's good to see someone outside the top fifteen getting like somewhat of an opportunity. But I don't think this does a whole hell of a lot for Chris. If we're being honest, like I think if Ricky Simone was in the spot, I think it does a little bit more for him than it does for Chris, but it is what it is. Frankie gets to fight his final one in MSG, and it's a fight that he can win. 
it's a winnable fight for Frankie. And if he wins, then Chris takes a huge step back and probably not going to see him in the rankings for a long, long time. And if Chris wins, I don't know, maybe he gets in the rankings, but I just don't know if it does just a ton for him. But yeah. And then the Bellator stuff, yeah, 205 is good. The only other one I think might be interesting, and it's not now, maybe in the future, I think 155 could be fun. Because I think Usman Namagamadoff is going to be a gigantic problem. And I think he's going to beat Patricky Pitbull and win the Bellator title in November. And then he has a very good chance of winning that entire Grand Prix next year as well. So I'm not really to, ready to make that distinction right the second, but a couple of years, I could see Usman Namagamadoff being in the conversation for being the best 155-pounder in the world, 100%. We'll go to Octagon Blog, then we'll go to Anthony, and then Ahid's going to send us home smiling, I bet. Octagon, hello. Good, how are you? Cancel with you? No, but I, have a, I, have, I do have my laptop yes. in case there's multiple things. You know, the, this is very interesting what Ezekiel spoke about. You know, you have a public investment fund that's a group from saudi arabia they invest a lot of money in sports in newcastle united it's a soccer club and live golfing golf and boxing uh, the two fight from anthony joshua in in saudi arabia what i know is that they are going to buy a mma promotion or start an own mma promotion and that will be uh, they want to compete with the best in the sport. So in soccer with Newcastle, with Live Golf against PGA, and now, so of course, also in boxing, and now in MMA, they want to compete against Abu Dhabi uh, in uh, against the UFC. So I, I want to hear your opinion about big money coming in and try to compete with the UFC. Thank you, and good luck, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It would be very interesting. We've seen what Liv has done for the golfing world, getting some of the names they've gotten over there, like Dustin Johnson and, you know, a lot of the bigger names from the golfing world. And we'll see. Sometimes sometimes that works in certain sports. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, Saudi does a lot of stuff with WWE. They spend a lot of money to get them over there once a year to do to do their events. They got money to spend. You mentioned the boxing. We'll see what they do. Maybe they just throw their hat in to host UFC events in the future. Who knows? But if they do start a promotion, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to be able to do with it. It's not like golf where guys from the PGA can just say, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going over here to make a billion dollars. You can't do that. You can't do that right now. Fighters just can't leave willy-nilly. Now, if they have money to spend and they're going to start this promotion and, and do whatever, if they can get some of these free agents involved, then get Nate Diaz or somebody else to be a co-promote or something like that. Interesting. But I have to see it to believe it first because, I mean, how many times have we heard about upstart promotions coming in and trying to make waves and doing different things? Ariel talked – I, I, I don't remember what the promotion was at this point the world fighting league or something. Was that what it was? The world fighting league, the WFL. 
this is going to be the game changer. Fighter pay was going to change forever and all these things. We're going to be competitive. We're going to offer things that nobody else can. And then it just sort of fizzled out. We haven't heard a thing about it since. So I guess you need to believe it. It would be interesting, but with the current state of the sports, contracts, independent contractors, quote-unquote, all that, I just don't know what kind of a dent they can make. Like, what's different between what they're going to do and what, like, Eagle FC was trying to do when they were having the cards in Miami and bringing all these big names over and spending all this money that I just don't know where it comes from. So... It would be interesting, but I just don't know how how it works. I don't know how they do it. Anthony, hello. Yo, how's it going, bro? Good. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, Dana White answering questions because a lot of people hate on it. Like They're like, oh, man, he just lies his ass off half the time. But to be honest, man, I fucking appreciate the shit out of it because I'm, I played baseball my whole life, and I watched that sport too, bro, and fucking – we see that commissioner literally two times a year, and he lies his ass off 100% of the time. So that's just crazy to me. And uh, also, some guy was talking earlier about the best seats to buy. Uh, you're a media member, so, I mean, you've probably been spoiled by some good seats recently. But uh, the best seats to buy for a common man are the first first row in, like, the 300 levels. So you can just look right down at that shit. Uh, all right. Have a good one, bro. Have a heck of a morning, Chief. Thank you, sir. So, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. First row balcony is a good time. It's a good time for any sport, really. Uh, I love sitting first row balcony for, like, WWF events at the Garden. Uh, and that's when those tickets are, like, 20 bucks. But they ain't 20 bucks anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I, like, listen, first events, just being there. It's going to be a sold-out arena. Fights are going to be good. It's just going to be a fun experience. And the atmosphere is going to be crazy. And... There'll be lots of events going on throughout the week, so that's be cool. Hopefully, I get to go cover that event because I could just drive to Orlando in a few hours. My parents live like 45 minutes from Orlando, so I could stay with them, make a whole thing out of it. So it'd be a lot of fun. The Dana thing, it's always like a slippery, slippery slope with Dana because he, I mean, he is the face of the company. Dana White is the face of the UFC. So his success is his. He's got fans that, because they love the sport so much, the man can do no wrong. And yes, does he lie about things? Of course he does. But you make a decent point too that this is sports and the commissioners lie about certain things or they withhold information. I mean, go watch Ariel's interview with Tony Khan from AEW. I mean, this was a disaster. This was a disaster. And I listened, I went and listened to that interview the day it got dropped. And I remember like messaging Ariel about it. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. Like, talk about saying nothing. And Dana doesn't do what Tony Khan did in that interview at all. Dana will mostly answer questions that he knows, or at least try to, in a way. And Tony just did nothing. All Tony did was like pump his own tires. I've never heard a guy in that position pump his own tires the way that Tony Khan did. It was off. I, I just, this is awful. It was awful. And at least Dana will say what's on his mind from time to time. I think some of the issues with Dana is that people take what he says. So literally a lot, 
and oftentimes when Dana goes on and says, take shots at the media and stuff, people just take that and run with it. They take it and run with it. That the media sucks. We're trying to kill the UFC. All we care about is fighter pay and all that stuff. And let me and, and let me just say this. There are certain things that Dana has said about the topic and about certain things that were written and, and certain things that I actually didn't disagree with them on. But there are things that he has said that just aren't true and that were proven to be not true. And sometimes, and this is a problem in MMA to begin with. And this is something that I noticed earlier on in my career. And the more that I have relationships with, with fighters and managers and different people from promotions and in the sport, you notice this as well. It's just, it's just a weird relationship. You can't all be lumped in together. So if some media member comes out and says something about Dana and he has an issue with it, to him, it's every media member saying this about him, which is just not true. Now, here's the issues. Here's the biggest issue I've had with Dana. And it's not fighter pay and all that stuff because I've been on the show many times and have said on multiple occasions that this whole fighter pay conversation, sure, the UFC is to blame a little bit. You can put some of that, you could put a little pie chart, a little bit of a sliver goes to Dana. But it's the fighters. The fighters are the reason for the most part because when the company sold for $4.2 million, billion, excuse me, not million, $4.2 billion, that was the time for them to come together and say, all right, they just sold for $4.2 billion. Let's do this thing. Let's come together. Let's make an impact. Let's change the way that we are protected. Let's have a voice. And they didn't do it. And now all these years later, it's a big problem. Like you had your chances and you didn't do it. They tried to put groups together and they just fizzled out because they put the worst people in charge of it. Until the fighters come together and do this on their own and they're willing to walk away, nothing's going to change. And it's not Dana's fault. Like what? When they sold, they were like, okay, the fighters must be happy because they're not coming together now. So what's, why would they change anything? I mean, it's just business. It's just business at the end of the day. And of course we want the fighters to be paid more. And I'd love to see it, but to blame Dana White and the UFC specifically for that is just short-sighted. It's just short-sighted in my opinion. Now, the thing I had the biggest issue with with Dana was during the pandemic. Because the UFC wanted to keep going. And we were all for that. We all wanted the UFC to keep going. We wanted the fighters to get paid and make money and be able to work. And we, of course, wanted to, in the media, have something to talk about. I had just come on to MMA fighting when the world shut down. It's like the first week I was there, they canceled the pay-per-view. And then they brought it back. And then it was going to be a Tachi Palace. And then Disney stepped in and shut it all down. And then it was going to happen in Jacksonville. And all this stuff was happening. John Jones getting arrested. Like, all this stuff was happening, like, right when I started. And every day I woke up wondering, am I going to have a job tomorrow because of where this world is? Am I – I'm the new branch on the tree. And I was just very thin branch at the time. Are they just going to cut me down? 
Are they just going to say, all right, we still have the tree, just we don't need this branch anymore? Which I was like, okay. I would have been okay with at the time because like I would have got it and understood it. But this, this idea that Dana White still has to this day that the MMA media was hoping for the UFC to fail is the biggest bunch of bullshit in the world. In the world. You think, and because like the New York Times and like some of these outside of MMA media places, these big time publications wrote these articles about the pandemic and about some of the protocol and all that stuff. He attached the MMA media to all of that. Then at the end of all of this, my man AK is on here. They put out this hit piece that we shut the media up. The media doubted us and wanted us to fail. And we, sh- we proved them wrong. And they put out this stupid hit piece. It was stupid. Dumb and it made no sense then. And then a year later, a little more than a year later, they put it back out. Why? The MMA media never wanted you to fail. Ever. Never once did we say, we hope this fails and the UFC just crumbles. No. We never said that. We just had questions about the protocols and no one was giving us answers to it. How is the testing going to work? What is this going to do? How, do? how do you have the fighters at the arena? Are they all coming to the arena? Are you bringing them two at a time? Like, how is this all going to work? And it took until... We had to dig deep and reach out to managers and different people in the organization who would send us stuff so we understood what the protocol was. We just had questions of what they were doing. We didn't doubt them. We just didn't know what we were up against. We didn't know what this pandemic was like. We didn't know what protocol was. But the UFC said they had the answers, and we wanted to know what they were. That's all. No one wanted them to fail. So that is like the biggest issue I have with Dana is that he lumps the MMA media in with everybody else and that he thought we wanted the company to fail and the sport to fail and all that. It's bullshit. That's my biggest issue with the guy. Everything else is my, this man, and does he lie and say things that aren't true? Sure. Does he do certain things with certain fighters that drive me crazy? Sure. The whole Nate Diaz thing was dumb. It all worked out in the end. The MMA gods shined upon us. They smiled. It went the way it was supposed to go. But Dane deserves a ton of credit for what this man has done, for what he did in that pandemic. It's gigantic. He set the tone for everybody. He did. But to say that we in particular, they did that to spite us because we didn't believe in them is just the biggest bunch of bullshit. And that's my biggest issue with the man. That's my biggest issue. A fired up Dana White when he's fired up about fights is a great thing. It's what made the sport what it was for a long time. Dana getting fired up and getting in that promoter mode was huge for the sport. He was the face of the company, still is. Not as much as before, but he still is. But when he's fired up about stuff, he gets everybody fired up. And then when McGregor Mayweather happens, we saw that guy come out a little bit. Every time he introduced Conor McGregor at a press conference, it was like the greatest thing ever. I, I, it, was, it was hilarious seeing him yell and get excited for the first time in like three years. It's almost like he forgot how to be excited about stuff. And sometimes that, sometimes that happens. But he's also very particular now in how he does his media. He doesn't want to get trapped 
He's a little more smart about it. And he does the car wash of interviews before fights with people who know aren't going to really challenge him. And that's fine. And that's fine. I've been trying to get a Dana White interview for two and a half years. I can't get it. That's okay. But yeah, that, that was my biggest issue with Dana. He deserves a ton of credit. He's still the face of the promotion. But to me, that whole narrative that he still paints that the MMA media were a bunch of pussies and we could never fight out of a paper bag. The biggest wusses in the world cover the, the manliest, the most adults, the most dangerous sport in the world. Yet we want you to fail. It's just fucking stupid. So that's my issue with him. Other than that, he's killing it. The occasional lie here and there, but like you said, everybody does that. Ahead! Let's go! Ahead, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, by the way, Ahid, we had a caller earlier who chimed in and thanked us for the platform and then thanked you for bringing the, bringing the gusto to this program. Thanked you and Tristan and some of the reg regs, but uh, he even said, even Ahid, even Ahid, he gave you a personal shout out. Uh, that, that warms my heart, Mike. You know, that warms my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Always just trying to bring it, Mike. And like my Twitter's just messed up, so I'm gonna try and um, there's some weird audio issues, but I'll try and like get my points in. But anyway, uh, the two points I've got is um, firstly, it's USC 282, right? Like I talked about it on Monday, I think. I don't think you had time to address it. Like the main event, Mike, you're so relaxed about how there's no main event. I've heard you more aggravated just hearing Henry Cejudo's name. It's crazy, like, Mike, it's driving me insane how they're just leaving this in limbo. Like, it's like in all the history of MMA, has there ever been a time where the main event of a pay-per-view has ever been organized on such short notice, where there's no injuries? They, they haven't organized it. We know Jan and Ankaliyev is on 282, right? But like, as I said on Monday, they need someone else to headline Brazil. Listen, Ziggy and Moreno is good, but they need someone else. They need the big boys, the Yuri and the Glover. Yuri will go to Brazil, trust me. You chuck enough money his way, he will go to Brazil. He's that samurai type thing. So what is going on? I, I don't know. And um, like the, the other thing is, I saw Khabib just say, um, Markachev's going to roll over Oliveira, right? And he could do that. I, I truly believe in combat jiu-jitsu, which is, in my opinion, is the closest thing to actual MMA grappling, right? Markachev would smash Oliveira, but there's, it's mixed martial arts. And I was just watching uh, BT Sport, Dan Hardy, who's incredible. He broke down the main event. And it's like, Oliveira might get him out of the first round. Oliveira might not... Markajev out. He might just put it on him and he might what's gonna happen then? Like you said, like it's gonna be bad, really bad. There's like so so much clips for me. Well, we just lost a head. 
we got a lot out of that. So I think I can, I think I can respond to that. Uh, we touched on 282 a little earlier today. I feel like, I feel like we're looking at a Glover Yuri rematch headlining that card again, not really sure, but I think the addition of Blahovich Ankalaev kind of puts us past the 50 yard line at this point. From what I understand, they're trying like one last big push to try to get John on that card, but I'd be stunned if it happens. So I would venture to guess we're going to get Yuri Glover as the main event of that card. Now, I understand that it leaves a hole for 283. I don't know what they're going to do. Probably Amanda Nunez. They could try to get her back a little bit earlier than she would have liked, but. I mean, Nunez headlining in Brazil. I'm sure she's not going to have a big problem with that. Now it's just a matter of who you're going to throw in there against. If they did Nunez Shevchenko on that card, that's a, that's a solid main event right there. And then we have Figgy Moreno, the Tetralogy, as the co-main event. I'm in. That's fine. But this is just a welcome back to Brazil more than anything. So they're not going to get like, – we're not going to see Connor on the card. And who knows, if we can get – if they end up doing Hamzat versus Paulo Costa, then at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because all eyes are going to be on that fight. So we'll see what happens with, with 282 and 283, but my gut is telling me by 280, we will know, and it's probably going to be Yuri Glover. That's my, my hunch, my guess. That would be my bet at this point in time, but who knows? Maybe... Maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll change. And we talked about the Habib thing too and, and just the confidence of the Makachev camp. Yeah, it's very bad if they lose. It's very, very bad if they lose, which is why we headlined one of the ones is, is Islam Makachev in must-win territory. And I think he is. I think he has to win this fight or else he's going to fade. He's going to fall down the ladder real quick because there's still people right now, even though people are excited for this fight, there's a chunk of people who feel like Makachev didn't deserve to be in the spot. He's got questions he's got to answer to probably 25% of the MMA community that he deserved this over Dariush or anybody else. So he's got to win. And the confidence, the things that he's been said, that he's been saying, that, that Habib has been saying, he's got to win. He's got to win. But he's, he's going to have a tough one. People keep sleeping on Charles. I don't get it. All right, two more. Tristan, then the M. We got to go. Tristan, but, what's yeah, up? Just, just for you, just uh, Mike, just from what you just said, then my question is, then how the UFC, how does the UFC view Makachev? Because, again, we saw Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler fought for the title. He lost, but he didn't, go, he didn't drop all the way back, all, all the way back as far as, uh, rankings or the top 10 or top five or anything like that, right? If he fights Poirier, beats Poirier, it's not going to be crazy when they say, hey, Michael Chandler is getting another title shots because the UFC views him as a big spotlight for the company. So my question is, how do you think the UFC looks at Makachev? Does he have the same, like, the same view as they do for Chandler, that's the question I want to. That I don't know how they look at. So maybe you could probably answer that question. And then my second question would be about Julia Pena. Pena feels that she deserves a trilogy fight against against uh, 
Um, uh, Nunes. So do you agree what DC said? Because I kind of agree with DC says, like, I think uh, Pena needs to fight one more and then we'll discuss if she could get another uh, the trilogy fight. So just your thoughts on those two points that I just discussed. Thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. So first question, no. Islam is not in the same boat as Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler is a star and Islam is not. Now, there are certain parts of the world where Islam is, is very well known, which is why this fight's happening in Abu Dhabi over New York or Vegas or anything else. Makachev is, I mean, people know who he is, but, he's, but more people know who Chandler is. Chandler is the draw. Chandler's the exciting fighter that brings it every time. So that's why he's in the mix. And then Chandler's come back. And I mean, the way he knocked out Tony Ferguson is just ridiculous. So, and Chandler cuts the promos after. And he's, when these fight cards are over, we talk about Chandler for weeks afterwards. Weeks. Makachev beat Bobby Green. We talked about it for a day. Should he be the guy that fights for the title? And then we just wait and see if he gets the shot. So, no, I don't think he's in the same boat. I don't think he's in the same boat. Now, there is value to him because of the, the international side of things, but not to, to where Chandler's at right now. And I, by the way, if Islam Makachev fought Michael Chandler tomorrow, Islam Makachev's going to beat him. He's going to beat Michael Chandler, more than likely in my opinion. He's probably like a minus 300 favorite in that fight. But... Chandler brings in more dollars. It's just the nature of the beast. And with the Pena thing, I'm, I, I, if they gave her the shot, fine. But the fight with Nunez was, I think Jed put it perfectly, it was the most competitive ass-whooping you'll ever see. This is almost like the female version of, not to the same extent, but it was, it was sort of... Holloway cater esque in a lot of ways where this fight was never in doubt. There was one moment where Pena looked to possibly lock in an arm bar. But other than that, Nunes beat the shit out of her the entire fight. I mean, this is a whitewashing. This is a one-sided beatdown. So there's really not a lot that intrigues me about just running this one back. There's not a lot that tells me that this could go any differently. Now the first fight, it was just Nunes wasn't in the right... You could tell. Nunes wasn't there mentally. And Pena took advantage. It was the right time for it. But we saw when they ran it back, there's just... I just don't see enough where a third fight goes any better for Juliana. I don't. So go fight somebody else. Go fight somebody else. And then get a win and then you're right back in there. If she gets another win and then gets a title fight after that, I'm, I'm okay with that. If it's the trilogy or whatnot, cool. Go fight, um, go fight Ketlin Vieira. Go fight Arini Aldana. Beat one of them, you're right back in. Go fight Raquel Pennington. Raquel would take that fight in a heartbeat. There's a story there. You get enough on the microphone between both of those women do that. Nothing wrong with that. All right. The AM is going to take us home and then I have to go. What's up, the AM?
Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, so this weekend we have Askarov and uh, uh, Roybal are fighting. They are ranked four and five. Does the winner of them fight Pantoja for uh, to to be the title eliminator, or is the flyweight division stuck between Figueiredo and, uh, and Brandon at this point? My other my other point is going to be about uh, Makachev. I think the media is also guilty of the the narrative that he does not deserve to be in the title fight because it's not his fault that a lot of uh, a lot of fighters ranked fighters he was he was trying to fight uh, uh, kept falling off. He even uh, his team offered a hundred thousand dollars for Tony Ferguson in 2020 when one of Makachev's uh, opponents fell off. I think it was uh, uh, um, RDA. So the the uh, ask uh, ask Ferguson to step in. They offered him hundred thousand dollars on top of what the UFC was going to offer him, and he refused. And then his his ranked opponent kept falling off. So it's not his fault that he did not fight the ranked opponents. And the me- the media keeps keeps going with the casuals, keeps like uh, uh, enforcing this narrative. He did not uh, fight a ranked opponent, so he doesn't deserve to be in the title fight. And also, a lot of fans are crying about his team, that they are confident about themselves, that they are confident saying that they are going to win this fight. I haven't seen anyone in a fight saying that their opponents will fight. They respect I, What I hear from them is that they respect uh, his skills, uh, Charles' skills. They keep saying he's tough, he's good, but we are going to win. We are going to beat him. We are going to finish him. That's confidence. That's not arrogance. I don't know why people are crying about it. And I don't know why people uh, all of a sudden they became Charles Oliveira's fans. I guarantee you, as soon as he loses, they are not even going to visit his, his social media. They are not his fans, in my opinion. They are just siding because they want uh, Makachev to, to lose. So I think this, this, people should stop crying about a confident person who is trying to win a fight, who is building up for a fight. That's all I have to say today. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Hey, listen, I have no issue with the confidence. I have no issue with the confidence. We've seen fighters be very confident before. And like Conor McGregor was like the most confident guy we ever, we've ever seen. But the dude went in there and backed it up. And to that point, we're like, all right, this dude's still backing it up. And even when Conor was winning fights that people thought he couldn't win, there were still a million doubts. Well, what if he fights this dude? And what if he fights this dude? There's still all these doubts about Conor. So... People sort of pick and choose who they back. But I also understand how people are viewing the comments and things that are... And by the way, when you're attached to Habib and Habib is at the center of all of this as well, that's fine. Like, listen, some, some fighters thrive on the extra pressure that's put upon them by the media, other fighters, analysts, etc. And maybe Islam is that guy. But all, all it's doing in the community is just making it so Islam has to win. And that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have any complaints about it. And I don't have any complaints about Islam getting the title shot. This is the, like I've said a million times, it's not his fault that the RDA fights didn't happen. It's not his fault that some of the other ranked fights didn't happen. He stayed on the card, got a replacement, and treated them accordingly. It's not his fault. But like you said, there are a lot of people out there 
who doubt the resume. There are a lot of other people who thought that Benil should have got the shot over him. But to me, this is the most, this is one of the top three most intriguing fights of the year, regardless of resume, regardless of who is on the resume, how many ranked people you beat, if you have top five wins. Stylistically, this is a 50-50 fight in my eyes. And I can't wait to see it. I can't wait for it. But I get get it. I get it. But sometimes you just got to make believers out of them. And if Islam goes out there and starches Charles and wins the belt and finishes him in the first two rounds, we're going to be like, damn, this dude's the best lightweight in the world. That's how this sport works. Sometimes you just got to show him. And once you do, you just got to put your hands up and say, all right, dude's the reals. And we were wrong. And he was right. But I cannot friggin' wait till that fight happens. And I can't wait to see how it plays out. And I can't wait to watch it in the way we're watching it. And all the fun stuff we're going to do UFC 280 fight week. So stay tuned for all of that information to come in the next week or so. It's going to be awesome. But we are done. BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern, AK versus Grant Dawson. Let's go. Until then, everybody, have a great rest of your Thursday. Back here tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA. For new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.